Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this uh, Wednesday, August 26th of 2020. And we are so happy uh, to have each and every one of you joining us that are under the sound of our voice, that you are tuning in, uh, anxious as we are to get into the Word of God. As always, it is a privilege and an honor to be able to share this time in fellowship in the Word of God. We are definitely uh, living in exciting times uh, in whatever part of excitement you, you want to talk about, the things that are happening, but also for us believers, uh, we are we call it exciting times because we know that uh, the coming of the Lord is near than when we first begun. We know that prophecy uh, is always a continuing cycle that that uh, that is taking place. But in these last few months, uh, we have seen an acceleration of things happening almost on a daily basis. Something is going on. Uh, they're doing something. Uh, there's a natural disaster coming. Something is taking place uh, to keep us really uh, alerted that the the things that are happening to us is a sign that Jesus Christ is coming. Uh, is coming that the coming of Jesus Christ is near than when we first begun. And we are cognizant of so many things that we know that we need to pray as we seek the Lord. And, and sometimes uh, it's hard to pray for everything, but in this moment, we do, uh, before we start our podcast, uh, we know that there is a, uh, a level four, uh, level four, a tier four, level four hurricane that's about to hit the Louisiana area and all the surrounding uh, cities there. And so we, we'd like to, at the start of this um, podcast, before we get into the word, pray for our brothers and sisters there. Uh, we know that uh, uh, a level four is really uh, an intense, uh, intense. I've never experienced a hurricane. I don't know if, uh, if you have, Brother Marty. I know uh, yeah. that I've never experienced one. And maybe you know the, uh, maybe you could tell us something before I pray about that. You know, uh, what, what what's the feeling like? I mean, I've been in earthquakes, but what's the feeling like in those times, Brother Marty, uh, as, an, as a hurricane is going to hit? Well, it's a it's a horrible thing. I was in uh, Hurricane Andrew uh, back in the '90s there in Louisiana, and uh, or maybe it was the '80s. I can't remember the exact date. It might have been '89 or '90, um, and it it knocked out power for the city um, for 14 days. Um, it was really really uh, something, and uh, you know the the winds and and the destructive force of it is incredible. We fortunately we lived in a little brick house at the time so that held mm -hmm. up but you know when the hurricane finally was over and it lasted you know like 20 hours or something it was crazy. Um wow. you know you walked outside it looked like a war zone. And what wow. they're talking about this this uh, hurricane uh it, it's upgraded now to a category 4. Uh and what makes it worse is is uh you know, what's really interesting is like you'll have these huge winds come. Uh, in our case, the Hurricane Andrew, some of those gusts got up to 180 miles an hour. Uh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, and you guys get some strong winds down there in Coachella, I know, but just, you know, magnify those tenfold uh, and sustain. Wow. You know, they're not like little breezes and gusts. I mean, it's just one big sustained wind. And then with higher gusts, 
And then all of a sudden it like just dies down and everything dies down and there's absolutely no wind and you think it's over, but really what's actually happening is that the eye of the hurricane, uh, it's, mm. it, 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 it's passing through. And then when it comes over the territory, you think that the storm's over, but really the worst is yet to come because the back end of the storm is coming because the hurricane has like, it's like a tornado only on a giant scale, you know? And so the middle of it is a cone and you can actually go up and, and look through the middle of it and see the stars and it looks like you're going to have a clear day. And then all of a sudden here comes the back end of the winds for another 10, 12 hours. So it's a very dangerous thing. And they're saying that the storm surge over there, we, and we have a lot of churches and brothers there, you know, that live yes. there and people we know. And uh, they're saying that the, the water coming off the ocean uh, is, could is going to surge up to 15 to 20 feet uh, high mm. uh, and go mm. inland. So a lot of people are in danger right now. So, you know, I just want to be mindful of that, brother. Amen. You know, we have our precious brothers and sisters, too, also that tune into the podcast from around those areas. And we just yes. want them to know that we're with you, we're praying, and that you are in our hearts and in our minds um, in in this hour. And we, you have a people of God here in uh, California and, and, and the state of Nevada that are praying for you guys, uh, for your safety, your protection in this hour. So let us pray. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And Father, you know all things. Father, you are in control of every situation, God. But today our hearts and our thoughts are uh, are are with the people and the precious people of God there in, in the state of Louisiana and the surrounding places, God, uh, that are preparing to be hit by a hurricane, God. And Father, uh, we pray, Lord, that your angels, we summon your angels to protect your people, Lord, to shield them uh, from this terrible uh, natural disaster, God, that we don't know the likes of what it will cause exactly, but we know that so many things happen. We pray for all the people there in Louisiana, God, that in this, Lord, in this state where there's God-fearing people, that you would protect them that you would be with them, and that, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen them in this hour, God, to prepare accordingly as this is on the brink of taking place, Lord. And, Father, we lift up, Lord, uh, this state. We lift up, Lord, the people around there, the children, uh, families, Lord God, that they will find a place of protection, a place of safety, Lord, and as we go forward. And, Father, there's so many things, Lord. This is so many things that are taking place, Lord, right now in our in our in our country. So many things that are happening, that are happening even as we speak, Lord God. And all we can come to you is an appeal to your mercy. You are still a God of mercy, and Father, we know that all these things must take place in fulfillment to prophecy. But in this, we have one promise that you would be with us until the end, God. And so we we depend on you. And we ask for your strength for your people over there and your people here. And we pray this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we all say amen and amen. Praise amen. the Lord. Uh, today, uh, we're getting ready to get into the word of God. And today in our panel, we have Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah. And we're delighted uh, to be together again on this Wednesday to study the word of God. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. 
Hey man, it's good to be back again today. Uh, we're gonna take a little, a little tact uh, toward the left or the right or whatever you want to call it today. We're gonna we're gonna explore some uh, some pretty interesting prophetic things. You know, uh, in our studies of Jeremiah, we've been discovering uh, incredible insights. Not only uh, how the Lord deals with His people, uh, but the key and crucial times when prophecy is being fulfilled. And, and the many aspects that are involved with the fulfillment of prophecy. And as we've been seeing, uh, patterns can be seen within the history of the captivity and the judgments that uh, that befell um, the nation of Judah and Israel that really are, are incredibly eerie in that they uh, they seem to be recycling and and being uh, revisited or history, prophetic history is revisiting itself quite possibly and very similar in, in our times. And, and so in yesterday's podcast, uh, we continued studying the letter Jeremiah wrote to the captivity in Babylon. But uh, in so doing, we also looked and we saw that what was happening in Jeremiah's times uh, had actually been prophesied uh, by the great prophet Isaiah uh, about 200 years before it ever happened. So what was coming to pass during the times that we've been discussing in our studies in Jeremiah um, was actually uh, witnessing the, the the historic fulfillment in measure uh, of what Isaiah had predicted or had been shown by the Lord 200 years before it happened. And so today, I really felt by the Spirit uh, that that we should take a pause and, and to get an even uh, quite possibly we pray about the spirit a, a deeper understanding of what really was happening and the interesting revelation uh, that that's revealed and uh, there's more that that that's revealed there because remember like we like we showed yesterday and we'll look at it here in a second what was actually happening in the captivity and then the ultimate destruction of the first temple in AD 70, I mean, in, in uh, 586 or somewhere in there, BC, uh, when it was finally destroyed, that a captivity took place first, and then came the ultimate destruction seven years uh, after uh, Jeremiah had that confrontation with Hananiah, which we spoke at, at length, and you can read it, for those of you just joining us, chapter 27, 28, 29. Uh, <clears throat> but today, like I said, I just want to pause and, 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 and let's let's take a little deeper understanding uh, and, and see what we can see in Isaiah, because what was happening in their time was the fulfillment uh, of what God revealed to Isaiah 200 years before. And, uh, you know, what what we're going to attempt uh, is to gain a deeper understanding. And what we want and what we will attempt to do and to understand uh, is what Brother Fernando has been terming as prophetic cycles or you know, coming to fruition, uh, history repeating itself um, that that have occurred and uh, that occurred then, uh, that occurred also in AD 70 when the second temple was destroyed and what the Bible predicts will happen again uh, when the final judgment comes upon the face of the earth. And we believe that it's quite possibly that uh, those things are cycling now and and coming to rest in our times. And, and, and we're going to look at it, and, and, and we'll just leave it up for your own judgment. But I think you'll begin to see some really amazing things here. 
And again, as we saw yesterday, the prediction of the captivity, the destruction of Judah, the temple in Jerusalem, it was shown to the prophet Isaiah. And so today, uh, before it happened, so today, let it, let, let's consider what we can see in what Isaiah saw and what was told to him. And so we're just going to hit the pause button, go back, and I think we're going to see some pretty pretty really amazing things uh, that will give us some insight to our times and, and further depth of understanding in the Word of God. And, and we'll do this <laughs> if the Lord allows, uh, uh, it, because not only what was fulfilled in Jeremiah and Judah's times, um, it was also fulfilled in, in the time of the Lord, and it, it shall be fulfilled again in our times. And, I, you know, as we'll see, you know, the Lord drew upon the prophet Isaiah's words. And he applied them to the to the generation that he was ministering to, which was also a generation of the wrath of God. As we've talked about, right, because the wrath of God came in the time of Jeremiah, right? He called that out in Jeremiah 7, right? He said this was the generation of their wrath. And then in the times of Jesus, Jesus used that same phrasing, the generation of his wrath. Remember what he said? That all the blood that had been shed from Abel to, who was it, Zechariah, whom they slew between the ports and the altar would be required of that generation. You remember that scripture? <laughs> Anybody? Yes, yes. <laughs> all right. So that was known as the generation of his wrath. So that's the second time we see the term wrath being poured out on a particular generation. And then the third time that the wrath shall be poured out will be in the end of time, which we believe is quite possibly uh, our days. And and so remember though, that <clears throat> what happened in Jeremiah's time uh, was a fulfillment of what God showed Isaiah. And then again, the Lord draws upon Isaiah's words and applies them to his generation. And even John, will look at that, uh, John in his gospel, uh, he interpreted uh, the meaning, or the Apostle John uh, applied Isaiah's same words, which we're about to look at, uh, in a very, very interesting way when, when he interpreted the meaning of particular events in the Lord's ministry, uh, particularly in the final week of Passover, which would witness the crucifixion and the resurrection. He applied Isaiah's words there. And so that's what we want to look at and 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 bear with us as we explore these things. We're just going to discuss these things in a very open forum. So so I you know brothers I want you to just jump in at any time as as we begin to to see something quite you know that I really haven't seen in, in <laughs> uh discussed but we're going to discuss them today. So brother Jeremy, would you turn over to Isaiah chapter 6 and let's see what we can see. Let's okay. dig into this. See what we can see. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> uh, can you read to us, brother? Uh, let's see, where do we want to go? Let's read 1 through 5, Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. Amen. Please. In, Jesus in, in, the, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> in the year that King Uzziah died, I also... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, 
in between he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord. That, that, uh, now, why we're looking at this right now is, is because, like, as we were pointing out, that Isaiah would be commissioned to, to go and preach to his generation. And what God would tell him to say, he would tell Isaiah the result of the ministry uh, and, and the prophetic preaching that he was going to receive uh, would have an effect uh, on the people. And, and what would that effect be in verse 9? Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes, verse 9. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed. But understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. So he said the effect of what his ministry was going to be uh, would be to 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 bring about uh, you know uh, kind of this 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 asleepness, you know, this unawareness of what was actually getting ready to happen which was that judgment would come. Now, it wouldn't come right away. The prophecy was being fulfilled, but the, the inception or the beginning of the preaching that Isaiah would begin to be doing uh, would, would affect uh, when the prophecy would come to, to be fulfilled, which is the destruction of the cities. What, what, was, what was the prophecy fulfilled going to do, Brother Jeremy? Read verse 11. Because Isaiah says, how long is it going to be before all these things happen? And then God tells him in verse 11. What does he tell him, brother? He says, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And then verse 12, I'm sorry. And the Lord hath removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. So he, he, he asked him, how long will it be until these people become like this? Or how long will it be um, until they actually recognize what's going on here? And he says, basically... When this it, so extensive is going to be the hardening of the people in their hearts, their understanding, their ability to see and to hear, that it will lead all the way up to the point where the cities will be wasted, the houses will be emptied, the land will be utterly desolate, and men will have been removed far away, and there will be a great forsaking in the land. So literally, he was literally telling him that it's going to, it's going to continue to unfold Isaiah until the judgment comes. And as we've been exploring in, in the book of Jeremiah, it it, it actually happened, right? They had a captivity that took place, 
where God removed a people in order to preserve them. And then seven years later came the judgment where they burned down Solomon's temple, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burned the city with fire, and slaughtered slaughtered the remaining remnant that was left in the city. Israel came under judgment, and the ultimate judgment came. And so in measure, what we see in Isaiah chapter 6 right here is the fulfillment of it that took place in the days of Jeremiah. But to take a look at it in a different way is what we want to do today. And we're going to see some things, I believe, that apply to our time. And that what God was actually putting here in this story is something that we are going to see that, that frankly, you know, I may be wrong. I mean, it's in the Word, so it's always been here, but I don't think I'm wrong because we're going to see as we open this up what I believe the Spirit is trying to show us here. Because it's quite possible what's being revealed here in chapter 6 is 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 the is, is the way that God was going to move by his spirit how he would be rejected how his people would become corrupted and how they would subsequently be judged and removed from the land but that it wouldn't happen just one time but it was going to happen three separate times and that those three separate times, each time it would happen, would be enlarged until it culminates at the end of time. Are you with me? <laughs> so far? That's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. All right. Now, now take a look at this because, and we'll go back and forth throughout this little chapter here, and we're going to see that the entirety of the scripture will be opened up. The entire Bible is being unfolded here in Isaiah chapter 6. And, and I want to elevate ourselves to look at it from that perspective as as the whole of history and how it's unfolded until the second coming of the Lord. The first thing that we need to draw our attention to and where I think that we've gone off, and we're not gone off, but 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 been ignorant of, or or maybe it's been concealed and not ready to be revealed until God decides to reveal it, but it's always been in his word is how the interpretation of Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 6 has unfolded through the years uh, is, you know, you can look in your commentaries and it basically has to do with, with the destruction of Babylon and, I mean, the destruction of Judah carrying, being carried away to Babylon, the destruction of the ten tribes up in the northern kingdom after the, after the you know, Israel split into two, one became the nation of Judah, one became Israel. And so many believe that what Isaiah's prophecy here is referring to is first the ten tribes in the northern kingdom, which would be uh, destroyed and carried away by the Assyrian Empire because of their sin, and then it would culminate with the destruction of Solomon's temple, the carrying away captives of the children of, of Judah, and then the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem. And that's kind of where they leave off. And while that is true, that is really the first time that God outpoured his wrath. But I think what Isaiah was actually seeing here was not just that one uh, destruction and, and, and the thing that we've been exploring in Jeremiah's day, but I also think that what Isaiah is seeing here is every single time the wrath of God was poured out in the history of 
of humanity. <laughs> and so what we're gonna and why do you say that, Brother Mario? Well take a look at this. First of all, let's take a look at this. And like I said, we're gonna go back and forth and look at several scriptures here. It's it's what he says in verse three that I think we need to draw our attention to. Could you read verse three to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay, so let's take a look at this here. First of all, he he draws our attention to what he heard, and what he heard was the cry, holy, holy, holy. So that's three separate holies. And just put that off to the side here because we're going to go back to it. And then, so we're so we're looking and trying to unlock the mysteries here, and 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 why we believe we've come to the <laughs> to the end of time. But in order to understand that and to see it clearer, we need to also understand this vision that God received, uh, that Isaiah received from the Lord. And and so one of the keys to understanding this passage, apparently, which we've overlooked, really, I believe is what he says in verse 3, what Brother Jeremy just read. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy um, is the Lord of hosts, number one. The the Father God is called the Lord. He is the I Am. He is Jehovah, right? Or Yahweh, as they call him. Or Hashem, as the Jews call him. But 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 it's Ehovah, the Yot, the He, the Vav, the He. That's how you spell his name in Hebrew. Yot Evav E. He's called the Lord. But Jesus is known as the Lord of Hosts. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. That's <laughs> what am I in a Presbyterian church here? Come on, help me out. <laughs> okay, so help me dig into this thing now. Now listen. So. <clears throat> We have three holies presented, which represents Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because he's also Elohim, right? But we also have the three identified as the Lord of hosts, right? The Lord of hosts. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the title that's given to Jesus. Not to the Father and not to the Holy Spirit. The Lord of Hosts is a title that identifies the Lord, which he goes on to the Lord Jesus, which he goes on to to again enlarge in in verse uh, at the bottom of verse five. Can you read for mine eyes? Can you read that last part right there, Jeremy? Yes, uh, for my eyes. in verse five. Yes, uh, because I am a man of unclean lip, li- lips. Oh yeah, for yes. mine eyes have seen the King. Ooh. The king, the king, who is the king? The Lord of hosts. Yes. So again, uh, he's using the phraseology and, and, and the titles that he's applying to what he's seeing are the titles that apply to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this is important. Again, remember this. Okay, so let's look at verse 3 again. So he cries, the angels are crying one to another. They they use the plural three, right? Holy, holy, holy. 
So in one way, we can apply that holy, holy, holy to Elohim because he's three in one. But then the attention is drawn to the Lord of hosts. And this is key to understanding the unfolding of history and what he's shown here. And what it has to do with is revealed in the next phrase, which is the whole earth is full of his glory. So he's <laughs> he's not now, now this is our thesis here. Now he's not just speaking about Israel or the territory of Jerusalem and the land of Israel because he identifies it as what? The whole earth. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Right. So he says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when they say that, what happens in verse 4? And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now that smoke uh, is... (laughs) It represents judgment. Now, now we just we we skip verse one and two to get to the premise that what he's identifying here and what he's talking about has to do with the whole earth. It's not just Jerusalem, although Jerusalem plays a huge factor in it, and it's not just uh, <laughs> uh, you know the AD seventy moment that deals again with Jerusalem, but it's it's a time that deals with the whole earth. And yet it involves those particular uh, outpourings of the judgment of God in those in those times of history when God pours out his wrath. And when you see the smoke coming, uh, it, it represents the anger or the wrath of the Lord. Now, we know that, that how he is seeing him, that is the king, the Lord of hosts, is is in verse 1. It's it's what happened in verse 1 that triggered it. Now, take a look at verse 1. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, this is an incredible key because, again, remember, we're going to lay out the premise here that the three holies represent not only Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, coming down into the Lord of hosts, and that the ultimate thing that he's witnessing here involves the entire planet, (laughs) the whole earth. But what triggers the vision is also a foreshadow or a veiling of something that will occur that brings about the judgment of God, and it involves the whole earth. Now, he references the year that King Uzziah died, right? That's the first thing that he says before he sees the vision. And and then uh, what we know about what happened in King Uzziah's day is, is something that that uh, that we need to focus on because it's, it's an insight into the unfolding uh, plan of, 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 of judgment and redemption that we're going to look into here real quick. Because what we've been experiencing in Jeremiah and how it's been applying to our times, the reason it applies to our times is because our times are included in what Isaiah chapter 6 saw, 
And Jeremiah's times, therefore, are a miniature historical fact that took place that would enlarge itself once again, history repeating itself during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension, and then the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem. That's the second time. But then the third time it will happen falls right on our doorstep. And we're going to see that quite possibly in this unfolding sixth chapter. So it's tied to the death of King Uzziah. Now, when the Bible speaks of his death, it's not literally talking that he died. We have to see it from, from a Hebrew perspective, what happened to him. And and let's look at that real quick. Turn over to Second Chronicles, would you, and see what happened to him. Uh, twenty six. Chronicles. Yes, please. Okay. Second Chronicles, chapter twenty six. You be there. Yes. All right, let's take a look at uh first let's take a look at a little bit of 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 what he was like this Uzziah guy <laughs> this king Uzziah and uh and it's it's really really interesting here um it gives a whole list of his resume and how God had prospered him and how God had helped him and and how he he uh he he prospered in everything that he did he became incredibly powerful and and so forth and so on but he 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 crossed over into a place of pride and and this is what he did read verse would you read it uh, to his brother in verse 16 of chapter uh 26 second chronicles 16 26 26 16 i'm sorry go ahead but when he was strong his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So he went into uh, the temple of the Lord to burn incense in, uh, in the house of the Lord, which was, which was an act of pride, you know, and, and he was really functioning in in a position of pride um, that was, in effect, not lawful for him. So he's prosperous and he's full of pride, and he decides to take it upon himself uh, that that he would go and and function in a place within the temple of God that is only reserved uh, for the high priest, really. <laughs> right, right. And, and and I want to say something to you here right now. And, and you know, you that are listening to us, what you're going to hear are some things and ways of understanding and interpreting the Scripture that might be a little foreign to you, but really we're simply applying what, what has been taught to us by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God through the Holy Apostles, which is to take the examples of what happened uh, in the past in the Old Testament and understand that they are meant to give us insight uh, to our generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And and so what we see in these kinds of patterns and what appears to be taking place, and I know I'm jumping leaps and bounds ahead here, but you see what Uzziah did here? Uzziah, in, in effect, this kind of 
defilement of the house of God and the subsequent judgment that would come on Uzziah for doing this thing, for all intents and purposes, he literally died in the eyes of the Lord because what would happen as a result of this uh, is revealed to us in verse uh, 19. Uh, Can you read that? Verse 19? Yes. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before Where? the priest. In the in his forehead. Hmm, before interesting the place, huh? Hey, mm-hmm. that's an interesting... <laughs> where he was struck was where? On his forehead. Go ahead, keep reading. Before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And just finish out reading 20 and 21, would you? And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yeah, yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a um, several house. Yes, that's that's basically a yeah. It's a phrase uh, where where house. other lepers would would live. Yes, yeah, several house. Mm-hmm. Yes, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, it says in verse 22, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write? Incredible. So let's go back to Isaiah 6, because that's the triggering event. The triggering event of the defiling of the house of God and and the the marking, because this guy represented the leadership. He represented the entire nation. And he goes into the temple of God and he defiles it by his pride and the very thing that he did. And what happened to him, uh, because in the book of, of Leviticus, a man who is struck with leprosy is considered as one who is dead. And so when Isaiah says, in the year that he died, that's when I saw this event that he's about to talk about. And and so <laughs> what we know so far in the scriptures we've been looking at is that when he sees the Lord sitting high and lifted up, it was in the same year that Uzziah died, or in essence was struck with this leprosy on his forehead. And what he had actually done was gone into the temple of the Lord, and the fact that he became leprous within it means that he defiled it by his very presence, and he had to be removed from it and and would spend the rest of his days hanging out with other lepers outside the temple of God, it separated him and his company would be with those who were also leprous. Once he had (laughs) several houses, right? That's what it said in the several house. Once, (laughs) I don't know how deep we could go here, but I don't want to go too far. It's interesting to again, note where he was struck, right? He was struck in his forehead. That's very similar to what we see. Uh, that the Bible predicts will happen 
to a false church at the end of time and what will be the identifying marks which will seal their doom and remove them from the fellowship of the house of God is that they will have a mark either in their right hand or where? In the forehead. That's right, brother. Forehead. In forehead. <laughs> so now, with that in mind, brother Marty, we just, yeah, wait, I, wait, can I ask? A... Taken, wait, yes, wait a minute. We've just taken Uzziah and the symbolism of it, and taking him all the way through the history of the scripture and laid him right down in the book of Revelation. And so let's let's just leave that there. Go ahead, brothers. Now tell me what you're going to say. Uh, no, I just have a question. What examples can we use of the same thing happening today in our time of Uzziah going into the house of God and, and, and really doing the same thing? Can we find those examples in this hour? Well, I think that what in we a, see there is, is a foreshadow. Now, now remember what we're digging into here, and I know I'm not doing a very good job of getting to the point yet, but but what I'm trying to put forth here and what we started with is that we need to understand that what, what Uzziah did was connected to a vision that revealed something that had to involve the entire earth. That's what Isaiah said, right? The whole earth. And right. in measure, what you're, so what you're talking about here, Brother Jeremy, I think, and what you're saying as well, yes, it can be applied in the defiling of the house of God, you know, which is what we're seeing. We're seeing yeah. a defilement. But what we read in Second Chronicles chapter 26 was the initial defilement of the house of God in the time of the prophet Isaiah occurred after a series of successes and prosperity and triumph that caused this king to be lifted up, who represented the nation as a whole, into a great position of pride and arrogance, uh, that, wow. that brought mm-hmm. him brought him to a position in the house of God where he needed to be removed, and and the foreshadows of the leprosy being struck on his forehead. It could have happened anywhere, right? It could have been his face. It could have been his hand. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But but God chose the forehead. Were you going to say something, brother Fernando? Uh, you you know this is my kind of subject here. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, and what it, what what we're saying is that uh, what he saw in Isaiah chapter six, what Isaiah saw in chapter six uh, of his book, uh, it wasn't fulfilled in his time. In shadow, it was, in part, yeah. it was, but it, it's mm-hmm. speaking of a future uh, pouring out mm-hmm. of his wrath, uh, where it, it will it, it will affect the whole earth. Obviously, in Isaiah's yeah. day, uh, that what took place. It only affected a region of the earth. It didn't. It didn't encompass the whole globe. So in right. type of shadow, if we can see um, that which he sees in in his sixth chapter that he writes, it's for uh, it's, it's for the future. It's for yeah. a time where something cataclysmic, something pandemic, something economical is going to happen. That's going to uh, get a hold of the whole globe. Yes, precisely. So, so that Quite would possibly. take place. For... Go ahead, brother. Go, go ahead, brother Marty. Now, I was just no, going to no, say no. that would take place in 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 the days when Babylon came and and took yes. over the world, right? And yes. so, what we're saying is that that's where we're heading right now to a global. So that sin uh, led to eventually, right? Babylon coming and taking the people. Cap- captive, right, and the whole world at that time, right, and that's yes. is that what we're saying? So, again, what was the sin? 
the sin was the corruption of the house of God, right? Exactly. Yes. By, yes. by, by leadership. Mm-hmm. And, but it's it's a sin of such a nature, of the most unclean thing, right? Which is represented by the king Uzziah being struck with leprosy. You know, it was right. it's yeah. it's. An, go ahead. What were you gonna say? It's a Revelation twelve uh, uh, prophecy. Uh, when it comes down to it, uh, it's what we're heading towards, right? It's it's yes. It's this world system that's coming. And again, I think I think the key there is there's three holies. Yeah. Right? Holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it, it represents uh, three occurrences or, or the wrath and shadow of the wrath of God leading up to the uh, uh, what final we read one. in the book of Revelation. Yeah, the final culmination and the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb of God. Yes, and that's what we see here in, in verse 3, because the three holies, well, verse, listen, when the house of God was defiled by Uzziah in verse 1, Isaiah says, I now see God or the Lord, right? That's the Father. That's the that's the word he's using there, the Lord. Brother Jeremy, you got, right. you got, your, you got your Hebrew there? Yes, I do. Can you look up that word, Lord? Lord, yes. <clears throat> it it's the word Adonai, right? Adonai, yes. Yeah. Which means what? Uh, it means uh, the Lord used as a proper name of God only, my Lord, right? Uh, yes. Here. Yahweh. That's what Yahweh, the right? That's, Yahweh, right? Yes, that's the yeah. Yod, the Yod, the head, the Vav, and the head. That's the sacred name of the God who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, right? I am. It's 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 that name. It's it's the Father, and so when the temple is defiled, he suddenly sees the Father come and sit on his throne. Now, <laughs> how Hallelujah. do you? Get... <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so, so we're we're being moved. Isaiah is that is is being moved by the presence of God, and accelerated through time right now. Its greatest and biggest fulfillment, if the Lord allows us to see it today, uh, is found and comes to rest directly in the book of Revelation. John sees the same thing. And what we're Mm -hmm. saying here is what conceivably is being hidden here are the three times that God would pour out his wrath upon the, the planet. The first time is in the days of Jeremiah. The second time was in the days of the uh, of the apostles in AD 70 and the final time is at the end of time and with each successive outpouring of the wrath of God which is always triggered by something and what is that Uzziah that is they who defile the temple of God those who come and the temple becomes defiled in Jeremiah's day we can read it in Ezekiel chapter 8 the temple and its ministry was so corrupted that the yes. first thing that happened, right, is that he took a captivity away to protect them. And those that were left behind were the most gross, disgusting, you know, leadership people, you know, in the history of, of Israel up to that point, right, in Jerusalem. And it would result in the absolute burning down of the temple with what? With fire. And the walls yes. were broke down. The whole thing, right, everything was destroyed. Well, that happened again. Right? In A.D. 70. How was the temple yes. defiled? 
Remember, the Lord removed himself from the temple, right? Because they had completely defiled it. But how had they defiled it? In their pride and their arrogance, they stepped up and wanted to take the position that only belonged to the high priest. Oh, come on, somebody. See, that's what Uzziah tried to do. Hmm? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he withdrew himself from the temple, and in A.D. 70, he would destroy the temple. His wrath, as Jesus described it, came upon that generation. The temple was destroyed. Well, there remains one more outpouring of the wrath of God, according to the scriptures, right? The wrath of God is going to be poured out at the end of time. And that is what Isaiah is being shown here. Any thoughts as we go on? (laughs) That's powerful. So yes. Ezekiel eight, uh, Ezekiel eight, brother. Without you know, just just to you know to expand, it just Ezekiel eight in there gives us details of this defilement in in, in different levels, right? In um, Jeremiah's day, right? And, That's the first time the wrath so, is going to be poured out. Go ahead. Right. Uh, yeah, but um, but in Ezekiel eight, what God is revealing to us is in more de- in depth detail of what we're talking about of that defilement. Yes, sir. Because it, because it's you know he he shows Ezekiel in different depths. I don't know what other word to use. Uh, well, what do what level. do we see? Are you there in Ezekiel eight? I, I can be right now. Yeah, I am. Turn over there real quick. No, I, I want to show you something real quick. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to see you're going to see numbers, and you're going to see antichrist spirit, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and and I ask the audience to forgive us and just let us have a, a crazy Bible study today together as as, as preachers because you know <laughs> that's what we're doing and and there's there's so much there's so much that needs to be filled in to bring proper understanding but we pray by the Holy Spirit and humbly so that that somewhere along the line you'll listen and glean what we're trying to say here these patterns these beautiful mysteries hidden but revealed by the Spirit are letting us know and are are indicating, uh, you know, historical patterns so that we can understand exactly the time frame that we find ourselves right in, not only in this country, but as it affects the entire planet. Now, the first defilement that actually took place and fulfilled and brought about the first destruction uh, or the first outpouring of the wrath of God um, occurred during this time. And what, what Ezekiel, who was part of the captivity we've been talking to you about, was allowed to see was how that defilement took place. And 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 so read to us verse 1 first of all, brother. Yes. It says um and it came to pass in the 6th year, in the 6th month, in the 5th day of the month, as I sat in my house and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. You know what's interesting about this, brothers, and and I probably shouldn't even throw this out there, but the audience has been following us. Remember when Hananiah gave his prophecy? It was in the mm-hmm. fourth year, right? Mm-hmm. And so when when Ezekiel sees what should have been uh, the two years that Hananiah predicted, there'd be this great revival, right, after two years. It's as if uh... when... When God goes to show him this prophecy, it's it's almost to the day two years later. But instead of wow. this great revival, what's revealed to him is what is about to unfold here. And notice this. We see it came to pass in the sixth year. 
That's the number six, right? In the mm-hmm. what? Six, six months, right? Six, mm-hmm. six, right? And then mm-hmm. I, it, it's very interesting because because what he goes on to to reveal to him is verse three. What's verse three, brother? Would you read verse three? And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looked toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy. (laughs) So it's the sixth month, it's the sixth year, and we have an image sitting in the temple of God. Mm-hmm. It's the defilement oh. of the temple, right? Isn't that the yeah. same thing that's, that's predicted to just be ahead of us in our time? Yes. It, it, isn't there numbers six, six, six involved, and isn't there a, an image that's involved? Yeah. And, and right. <laughs> so, so again, you asked me the and, question. And the the, the three holies are connected with the uh, three temples. One is yet futuristic. Um, yes. The first one was the Solomon's Temple, which was destroyed in Jeremiah's day when God's wrath was poured out because of the defilement that was taking place uh, in the temple uh, with these false prophets that we've been talking about. Yes. Um, and then uh, the second one being in Christ's day with uh, uh, Herod's Temple, right? Yeah. Uh, or yes. Jerubal's. And in the destruction of it in 70 AD, then the Bible speaks of a third temple that will be rebuilt um, and, and its defilement. So we see the three holies there are in connection uh, with with uh, uh, the wrath of God because of the defilement of God's temple. So what does that alert us to if you want to take historical prophetic pattern and apply it to, you know, to the understanding of our times? It seems to be indicating that we too, because we know from the pattern that's revealed in the prophetic scriptures, that God is calling out his own people. You know, like we've been putting forth in the last several podcasts, that the captivity, while it seems to be a terrible thing, was actually the working of the Spirit of God to separate the good figs from the bad figs, like we saw in Jeremiah 24, that it was a work of his presence. And so the captivity of, you know, being taken out of the very place that's about to be destroyed in the next seven years from the time that it was revealed, which is, uh, <laughs> which is, if those of you have been following along, you know what we're talking about there, the seven-year period that would occur when Jeremiah's vision came and uh, and he told King Zedekiah, you know, you need to submit to this, this global state, you know, the, the re- present reality of your times, because if you don't, it's going to bring a swift destruction upon you. However, there had already been a captivity taken away. Ezekiel was included in that captivity. And what this shows us, brothers, I believe, is that in these times, uh, as we as we approach the, the coming judgment and the ultimate end time uh, of the destruction that's coming upon the planet and upon the false church, because that's what was left behind, right? Those in the captivity... Mm-hmm. Uh, are going to recognize it and be shown just how close they really are, like Ezekiel was. Hmm? Because remember what Isaiah saw in Isaiah 6? 
he says, I saw the Lord. First, he sees the father sitting on the throne, right? And then he, he, he uses the word for the father, the Lord, right? High and lifted up. And then he, he hears, holy, holy, holy. And his attention is drawn to the judge, right? The Lord of hosts. That's Jesus. And, and so he's getting ready to function as judge. And, 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 there's, <laughs> and like you said, there's going to be three separate outpourings of the wrath of God. And 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 that's what happened, like you, you, you beautifully described. The first one occurred in Jeremiah's day. The second one occurred after the rejection of Christ in A.D. 70. And the third one, which is coming, is not only going to occur, uh, you know, because of the defilement of the temple that will be rebuilt, apparently, uh, in Jerusalem and an image set up there, but also the defilement of his very own house, his very own church, right? We know mm-hmm. that because of right. the book of right Thessalonians that teaches us, except there come a falling away first, and we were called the temple of God. And so there's a defilement that's begun to take place within the house of God, as Brother Jeremy was, you know, hypothesizing earlier. How do we see that applying today? The fact that we who have been removed from establishment religion and are looking back at it, I think we're beginning to be shown by the Lord that the actual progressive defilement of the house of God is now approaching an extent where it, the next phase is just upon us, which is a leprous mark on the forehead. <laughs> but wow. just as I, wow. just as Isaiah saw uh, the Lord high and lifted up, so just before the image is revealed and the coming judgment is revealed, who appears in verse two? Ezekiel sees him too. Read in verse two, would you? Of chapter eight. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Then I beheld. And lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward, fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. Yes. So that's that's a that's a pre-incarnate Jesus that he sees, right? I mean, that's who he's talking right. about. Yes. He sees Christ, and and here and and what's about to be revealed to him is the coming wrath of God. And then he, and those of you who have time to do it in your Bible study, just read the rest of the eighth chapter, because what's shown there, remember, God's people have been taken away from this. They've been separated from the establishment. They've been removed mm-hmm. from, from the visible temple and the religious elite. You know, they've been re- removed from, from the whole structure of religion. And, and they didn't even understand why it was that they were being removed. But it had begun the process of what was coming, which was the uncovering of all that is wicked, all that is evil. We're even I read again today in the headlines in, in the in the in the paper today about that evangelical leader that was integral in, in helping elect uh you know the, the current administration and, and its leader. Uh and him and his wife and, and a whole uh, you know, sordid mess of of, of, mm-hmm. of debauchery and filth that's been taking place in the very yeah. highest places of of the religious so-called Christian establishment. Right. And, and 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 we're not participating in that. We're outside of that. As a matter of fact, it's been years since I've actually been participating in in, in and I know you brothers too in establishment religion. Because we found no home there. It's as if the Spirit of God has drawn us out, along with many others that are listening to us right now, 
And those that are yeah. going to be listening to this message in the future, which is, is coming close here, we're going to be putting these broadcasts on a much larger platform very, very soon now. And and these kinds of messages are going to go out there to bring encouragement to the people that just like Ezekiel and the other captives, in effect, what seemed to be a, a terrible thing happening to them was actually for their own benefit. Because the level of destruction and wrath that's getting ready to be poured out necessitates the protection of a tenth or a tithe, like Isaiah would go on to say, that which is holy unto the Lord. He's preparing a bride for his return, and he's actually protecting us and causing us to be hidden. Because right. that which is visible is going to come down and be exposed to those in the captivity like it was Ezekiel. It was Jesus who revealed to them the debauchery behind the scenes and the kinds of things that were taking place in order to justify the wrath that was going to be poured out upon it. It had to have a witness. And those of you who have yes. been in prayer, those of you who have been seeking God, you, you know what we're seeing. You sense it. You may not be able to give voice to it all, but you know you're troubled in your spirit. You have a sense that something ain't right. Something's different, man. Something's coming on. And, and that's, what, you know, that's what's being here. Go ahead, brother. You know, I just want to say something to encourage the, the listeners because I speak for myself out of the panel. I'm not the sharpest tool in the box, you know, in the toolbox. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, all of these things are meant uh, are meant to reveal to us. Just you know, to this morning I was reading Ezekiel eight, and I, I, I was just in awe. You know, I, I had to fall before my face. To, when you begin to realize the the depths, you know, like is there not a cause why God shouldn't ju- we we should have been <laughs> destroyed already? Yeah. God is showing us the, the the reason for these podcasts and these teachings. Is to reveal to us the severity of what's really taking place in our religious establishments and the places that we call Christian, <laughs> where the so-called ministers are, and, and and what's really taking place in those, and for us to to hide ourselves, as you've been saying, Brother Marty, and and you know I, I say it facetiously, but it, it's the truth, you know. This is for anybody to understand. You don't have to have a lot of years in prophecy. You can you can begin to understand if you have a heart. Yes. A heart that God will draw you to understand things. And listen to this, at an accelerated rate. These are things that have, that have caused many men of God tears and hours and hours of being before the face of God. Absolutely. And and we thank God for these for these men and and we are be, and it's being given to us in an accelerated manner because of the urgency of it. We need to wake up. We we need to understand what's really happening in the house of God. And yeah. and, and that's why th- these things are being spoken. It's being spoken and that is God's mercy to hide us and to prepare us, brother. And I just felt inspired to say that Praise to God. encourage somebody you know, who, who feels like me. You, you're not the sharpest tool in the box, but you know what? Do you love God and you have a heart to, to for correction and you have a heart to hear what God is saying in this hour? I just wanted to encourage somebody. Praise God. No, that's that's wow. profoundly powerful, brother. You were going to say? Somebody else was going to say something? Actually, I just wanted to add and just go along to what um, Brother Jeremy was saying. Uh, I think it's it's so powerful how he's saying that 
it's God's grace and mercy that, you know, you don't have to be the sharpest person in the toolbox, right? You don't have to know everything about the Bible. But all God is looking for is just a willing heart, you know, a person that has a heart that is willing to understand and to, like he said, take correction and at the same time be revealed because it's to those people that are going to be revealed what's coming. And if God yeah. could do it for the prophet Jeremiah, who was a little kid, like a little kid, literally, he was a, a teenager, you know, and if God, yeah. and if he had enough sense in his heart to understand that the Lord was speaking to him and to understand what the Lord was showing him at a very young age, then God yeah. could do it for you who's who's Great. been in the establishment for a long time or who's been running from God or wherever walk of life you're in. If God could do it for a little kid like Jeremiah, he could definitely do it for you. And then really, you know, he, he, cause the Lord revealed to Jeremiah so much and he saw everything, but you know, the same, the same thing can happen for you in this hour. And and I believe God is beginning to open up a lot of people's eyes to this. And a lot of people are being like, it's almost like the scales are being removed, you know? Yes, sir. And, and mm-hmm. to the listener, I really just want to encourage you, you know, make sure your heart is in the right place. Because if your heart is in the right place and you're willing to take the correction of the Lord, then you'll be able to see these things the way we see them here in the podcast and the way we're relating them to you. And God will spare you. Because at the same time, although if we notice and we look through all the visions that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel had, they saw visions of wrath. But to the prophet, the first thing they saw was the Lord high and lifted up. And they were revealed the glory of God. And Amen. yes, although we're being revealed this judgment and we're talking about all this wrath coming for us as believers in Christ, it's beautiful. And that's why we, you know, it kind of like we we don't really sound sad when we're telling you like we, we have sympathy, but we're happy because we know that the day of the visitation of God, which is the wrath of God and all this bad stuff that's coming up. At the same time, we realize that God is getting ready to visit those that are his. And those that are his, they're going to get, be able to see the glory of God. And they're going to be able to experience God like they've never been able to experience before. You know, and, and I just wanted to add that in there. And I thought it was really that's powerful awesome. what you said. That's awesome. You know, and that makes me think, because remember we spoke earlier of how the Lord tied the unfolding of the prophetic visions of Isaiah uh, and brought it further even into his ministry. And he revealed something really cool there, just what you were saying, Brother Jeremiah. Let's take a look at that while we're while you're on it, so I don't forget here. Uh, in Re- in Matthew chapter 13, look at how the Lord quotes Isaiah, because he's he's bringing forward the prophecy into that generation, because that would be the second outpouring of his wrath. There's three outpourings of the wrath of God. The first one occurred, like Brother Fernando was saying. In the days of Jeremiah, like we've been studying, the second one occurred in A.D. 70 when the temple was destroyed the second time and the Jews scattered to the four corners of the world and the church world uh, became uh, born and the Gentiles were given the opportunity to become a church. But now that is yet what we are awaiting, the third outpouring of the wrath. But let's let's get to this and see what Pastor Jeremiah uh, was just saying here uh, because he's he, Jesus quotes the the prophet Isaiah, and then he ties it to his generation, which is also going to experience the wrath of God. And subsequently, the same thing will unfold in our time. Look at, uh, read verse 14 uh, through 17, uh, Brother Jeremy, would you, and see what what uh, what, what, Isaiah, uh, what 
Pastor uh, Jeremiah was just saying so beautifully about about the heart. Read this uh, in 14 through 17, and remember what Isaiah said, what the Lord told him, you know, that their ears wouldn't hear, their eyes wouldn't see, their heart would wax fat. Listen to what Jesus says here. Go ahead, brother. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Yeah, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Okay. But blessed are your eyes for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. And have not heard them. And and, and then in, in verse 11, he says something really interesting. Could you read verse verse 11? Us, would you? Because it is, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. That's powerful and profound. And so he's, he's basically addressing his generation and their rejection of him, not knowing that, mm. that they were, they were right. And, and well, then he said, and so he, you comment on that. What were you going to say? No, I'm just just putting everything together. Um, it's so powerful that the Lord would quote uh, the prophet Isaiah, almost like beckoning the people to study the very thing we're studying right now to see if they could yes. see. <laughs> like, you, if you reject me, you know, what I showed Isaiah is going to come upon your generation. That's and, right, and it's it, it it it's kind of fascinating, but at the same time sobering. Like, is the Lord speaking to us? This generation is saying the same thing. Yes, He is. You know, it's heavy. It's you know the heavy trip. It's you know it was, we, the the Apostle Paul spoke about that. If any man defile the temple, right, the Lord will destroy yes. him. Yeah. Is that happening right now? Are we seeing the defiling of God's people, his temple taking place in our day. And and are the words that he was speaking to his generation two thousand years ago echoing right now? My Lord. You know, that's it, incredible. That's, yeah, that's whew, heavy stuff. That's, yes, and I think that that's exactly what that is exactly what we believe the Spirit is showing us today. Uh something that I hadn't really seen before till this morning. All all day and all morning, all after we talked about Isaiah, I said, "Wait a minute, I, I, there's something there." And and when that happens, you know, the Holy Spirit He draws your attention to it, and then as you begin to dig in, you go, "Oh my God, <laughs> this is really amazing! I've never seen this before." You know, and so I was like, "I gotta, we gotta share this with the people, right? Because this is this is fresh off the presses, man." Like we say, but uh, brother Jeremy, again, uh, reiterating. Reiter- wow. 
what uh, Brother Jeremiah was saying there, what you were saying, uh, would you read to what the Lord said about about it in in verse twenty five of chapter eleven of the, of the Gospel of, of Saint of Saint Matthew? Eleven twenty five. Yes. Okay, and that here we go. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, "I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent." and has revealed them unto babes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Has revealed them unto the, uh, uh, not the sharpest tools in the shed, right? <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. Right? Look, brother, I went, you, I went to the eighth grade, you know, I, I'm no scholar, you know, we've only, I mean, Fernando is a nutcase. He's probably the smartest one around. This. Oh, actually, Jeremiah, now he's a college boy, so... Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 see this is the spirit of God, right? He he reveals them unto unto babes. Why? Because babes don't have the wise and the prudent are always the ones that are straining at gnats and swallowing camels, right? They you know, they they they, they don't mm-hmm. they don't believe God's word. And that's the first premise, right? So let's get back to this. Let's, yeah. let's Maybe we'll pick it up again some more tomorrow. We've been going, but we're just getting into this, right? Because it's incredible. So, so let's go back because I want to deal with a little bit about. We'll get to the prophet Isaiah because because again we're we're putting forth the the, the thesis here that the three holies that he saw uh, have to do with the three outpourings of the wrath of God that would occur in over the time of human history. That's quite possibly what's being revealed there. It's not just talking about one event, but three separate events, and we believe that we the first two have already come to pass, which was Jeremiah's day, and then A.D. 70, uh, when the Jews were scattered to the four corners of the world, and we are awaiting the final wrath of God in our time. And this is what was being revealed to, to, to Isaiah, and we're tying it to the fact that what triggered the vision, which is meant for us to have an insight as to the times and seasons when wrath is poured out is when the leadership or that which represents the nation defiles the temple of God. And, 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 and there have been, there have, there's always been, you know, <laughs> mess. And, and the, and the leprosy on the forehead, right? I mean, yes. come on, that's, that's, uh, that's book of revelation all the way. It's, it's a triggering all, sign, you know, yes. to, to this wrath. Yes, and and well, <laughs> well, let's turn over to the Book of Revelation because you just mentioned it, Revelation chapter fourteen. It, uh, do we find a mark there? Yeah, we do. Fourteen. Take a look at fourteen. Revelation fourteen. And and remember what we just read in, in Ezekiel about the image, right? There's an image and so forth and so on. Read to us fourteen. Um, and it's interesting that Babylon shows up here. Read it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So you read, right? So so you read seven, eight, nine, and, and ten. Just read that to us, brother. And see. And as ten. he's re- as he as brother Jeremy's reading, see if you see uh, foreheads mentioned there. Go ahead. Saying with a loud voice, "Fear God, and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come." And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, 
saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Incredible. more? Okay, yes. Well, don't we see, what do we see in verse 11? Smoke, right? We got smoke rising up and all that other stuff that that, that he saw, you know, that, that, that Isaiah saw. And <clears throat> there's something else here because it, it corresponds to what happened in <clears throat> in Ezekiel's day. I think it's in, in chapter uh, 7 of, of the book of Revelation. Now, read chapter 7 where it says, uh, let me see here. Now we're really just doing a Bible study here. Uh, <laughs> where he tells him not to hurt the, the grass or, or the trees or anything until something happens. Okay, yeah. Read read, read to us in chapter 7. Now, this is just before the wrath of God is poured out. And I'm going to show you after, we'll show you together that the same pattern will repeat itself for the whole world that, that happened in the very uh, first time uh uh, of, of the captivity of Judah and then the ultimate destruction of, of Jerusalem. Read, read, because uh, here in the book of Revelation, what you're about to read in chapter 7, verse 1 through 3, is a description of the wrath of God about to be poured out. But before the wrath is poured out, what happens, Brother Jeremy? 1 through 3. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. In their foreheads. Now go back over to Ezekiel chapter 8, and, and we'll see what happens. The same thing, the same pattern, uh, the pattern begins in, in, in Ezekiel 8, and it will be fulfilled in a larger uh, extent at the end of time. I'm sorry, not not Ezekiel 8, but Ezekiel 9. 9, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, so first he sees the house defiled. We already read it in Ezekiel 8. And in that, it's the sixth month of the sixth year. Interesting, we see the number 66 six there, right? And then we have an image sitting in the house of God, which was placed there by corrupted uh, preachers, right? The priests of their day, defiling the house of God, which this final act of the defiling of the house of God brings the wrath of God during the time of, of, of Jeremiah's day. And would also happen again in AD 70. But what we just read in, in, in the book of Revelation were two things. Those that will be judged received the mark of the beast in their foreheads. We believe that that was symbolically seen 
uh, you know, a foreshadow of what would come at the end of time. And what triggered this Isaiah 6 vision, which appears to be revealing three separate outpourings of the wrath of God over time. Holy, holy, holy. And then he sees the Lord of hosts, which is Jesus, who is the judge, right? But the triggering event was the defiling of the temple. And it was represented by him being struck on his forehead, a foreshadow of the mark of the beast and the separation of him out of the house of God so forth and so on. In Ezekiel's day, he sees he sees it in the sixth month of the sixth uh, year, and then he sees an image sitting in the house of God, and he sees the Lord himself in verse 2, you know, being on fire from his loins upward and downward, and his feet are like the color of amber or brass, the same vision that John has in the book of Revelation chapter 1, <laughs> which you all can go study. But now, <clears throat> just before the wrath's about to be poured out, Look what happens. Would you read to us, brother, First uh, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2? Yes. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth towards the north. And every man slaughtered weapon in his hand. Excuse me. And every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. So what Ezekiel is being showed here is that the wrath of God is coming, and and. And it, it's about to come. And, and what's really interesting is the wording that's used here in chapter 9 is, is uh, he says, cause, verse 1, chapter 9, he says, cause them that have charge over the city to draw near. These are the angelic right. forces of God, right? And, and, and they're activated now and getting ready to execute judgment. They show up with a slaughter weapon in their hand. They're there to pour out the wrath of God on this defiled, corrupt uh, church, this false church that's left behind. And, and Ezekiel's seeing how it's going to happen. The next thing is before that happens, they come and stand by the brazen altar. What, what Ezekiel was having revealed to him there was there comes a time prior to the wrath of God where there is no more access to sacrifice. In other words, mm. the time of grace has come to an end, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. while they're waiting there as if to protect the way, uh, and, as if uh, this is it. You know, no one else, is, the, the, your, your time of repenting is over. You, you didn't repent. And I'm not going to, now that you see all this bad stuff happening, now you're not going to be able to come and say, oh, forgive me, forgive me. See, that's the fallacy. Uh, let me just be a little evangelistic here, right? Uh, I'll, I'll serve the Lord when, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm ready or when I get right. Or, or when all the bad things start happening, I'm going to come and serve the Lord. No, you won't. You won't be able to. Because it, it is the grace of God that leads you to repentance. And so when his wrath is about to be poured out here, we have an insight here that the grace of God will be withdrawn. You won't be able to repent. Oh, my God. So you better repent now, right? (laughs) So, look, uh, 
but just before the book of Revelation is called the wrath of the Lamb, and that means that the wrath of God has come because you have rejected the Lamb, the sacrifice. That's right. Yes. Yes. And 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 then it says that so they went and they stood, and then here comes the Lord. He's the one with the writer's inkhorn by his side. He and you know he's the one who has the authority to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, or to remove it. And so he shows up. This is what Ezekiel's being showed. And then remember what we read just read in the Book of Revelation. There said, "Don't pour out the wrath of God." until we seal the servants of God in their foreheads. And here we have the wrath of God about to be poured out. And then read to us verse 3 and 4. Would you read that, Brother uh, Jeremy? Yes. Yes. And, yes. It says, and the, glory of the, and the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the chariot, whereupon he was to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. Verse 4. Yes. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. So first comes a protective mark upon the holy remnant of God, right? Mm. These are the men that 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 are sighing and 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 crying for the absolute corruption that they see taking place throughout the entirety of Jerusalem at the time. But before the wrath is poured out, they're they're sealed and protected. And after they're sealed and protected, comes the most horrible outpouring of the wrath. Read that in verse five and six, would you? And to the uh, and to the others he said in my hearing, Go ye after him through the city, and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. My God. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And then the wrath of God is being poured out, right? So we have that protective mark being given here. And that's the first time the wrath of God was poured out. Now listen, that is the triggering event is the de- is always the defiling of the temple of God. And what's, what needs to be understood here is that the defiling of the temple of God or the, you know, there's always been crazy people, right? You know, the the wheat and the tares, they always grow together. But when the wrath is poured out, it is when uh, when it reaches its apex, when it's filled itself up. And in Isaiah's case, go back to Isaiah 6 and we'll close. And we'll pick it up again here tomorrow, Lord willing, because we haven't even really gotten into this. We're just starting to. Uh, which I think is pretty exciting to myself. It is. <laughs> it, is. Uh, it is. It is connected to Jeremiah. It's, it's incredible. Yes. It is connected to Jeremiah because Jeremiah was part of the first holy, right? That's the first mm-hmm. breath, right? And so was Ezekiel as we're reading. But what we're also seeing as we open it up by the Spirit of God, we pray, who's opening it up for us, is when you enlarge it and extrapolate it out further in our analysis, 
what we're actually witnessing is what you were talking about a couple podcasts ago, and even yesterday, I think, Brother Fernando, where you, you talked about, you know, how you described it was, it, it, you know, history repeats itself or it comes to fruition. And with each subsequent fulfillment of prophecy, it gets bigger. It enlarges until the end of time where it finally culminates. The three holies have that idea behind it. What was being revealed to Isaiah was there was going to be three separate distinct acts of judgment and that it, the triggering event for each generation that would experience it would be the defiling of the house of God, the corruption of the leadership, and a foreshadow of the mark of the beast at the end of time, that being Uzziah struck with leprosy in his forehead. And this is why in chapter 6, verse 1, when, he, when Uzziah defiles the temple and he's struck with that leprous mark on his forehead, suddenly the Lord takes his position as as the judge, the father, and he sits on the throne, he's high and lifted up, and, and, and suddenly Isaiah is carried and begins to see the entirety of all three outpourings of the wrath of God that were yet to come in human history. In his case, the first wrath would be poured out 200 years after this vision in the days of Jeremiah, which we've been discussing. Now, let's just close with verse 5. Can you read verse 5 to us? Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What is being revealed to us here is what has happened in every generation when the wrath of God has been poured out. Isaiah representing a remnant in, in, in many senses, uh, amongst the people of God and, and, and the ministry itself. You know, what we're seeing here is that it, it's as if Isaiah is saying, when these events happened, uh, it triggered me. I was able to see something. I understood in it by the Spirit of God who, who really basically revealed to me the entirety of the three outpourings of the wrath of God that would occur in human history. And he said, when the moment came that I began to see that this involved the whole earth, like he said in verse 3, right? One cried one to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. He, he said, when I saw the extent of it and realized uh, what was actually taking place, that the entirety of the earth was going to be involved in a judgment, that's verse 4, right? The doorposts are moved. And the, and the house gets filled with smoke, which is the wrath of God. He says, at that moment, uh, I cry out, woe is me. And so what we're having revealed here is that an awakening began to take place in Isaiah. And and I right. believe what God is is saying is that an awakening will occur and an awareness will occur at at you know, at the times when he's beginning to reveal himself that the wrath is coming. And it's almost as if it caught Isaiah by surprise. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's as if he's saying, woe is me. Why? Because I'm undone. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Why? Because I'm also hanging out with a bunch of people with unclean lips. 
Why? <laughs> because I've seen the king. In other words, I wow. suddenly realized he's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. And I'm unprepared. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> My lord. Incredible, right? You saw you saw into the future and to what we are awaiting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and quite possibly a a, a warning to us. Mm-hmm. Yes. That there would be triggering events that would suddenly alert us to the fact that, and what 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 alerts us is that some supernatural uh, kind of assistance—I don't know how else to say it—by the Spirit of God, in that our eyes are going to be open and we're going to see the same thing that Isaiah saw, which I think we're seeing already. That's really what we're saying. We've seen yeah. the King. We've seen the Lord of Hosts, and He's coming. There's only one holy that remains. There's only one outpouring of the wrath that remains. And and suddenly it's fallen upon us, just as suddenly as this global pandemic has fallen upon this world, this global reset. We've got a maddening church in America that's completely lost its way. And yet there is a captivity, a people that has been removed from the scene and those that remain in, in the Jerusalem of our time, if you will, amongst the religious elite establishment, all the mega churches, all the Hillsongs and Bethels and corrupted churches everywhere, and the whole ministry of, 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 uh, of the television evangelists and the prosperity preachers and the false prophets, all of it, God has removed a people out of it, and they're looking at it, and suddenly it's beginning to dawn on us, throw in all the things that are happening around the world, just in the natural and suddenly there's an awareness, just as sudden as all this has happened to us, woe is me. Am I actually ready to see the king? Am I actually ready for the coming of the Lord? That's what happened to Isaiah. He said, my God, <laughs> you're coming. The king is coming, and I've seen it. And it suddenly has convicted me in the light of the presence. Let me ask you this. The vision that you have of Jesus, does it expose you like that? Because <laughs> if it does, right? Because if it doesn't, you ain't seeing the king. <laughs> right. That's good, right there. Right. <laughs> My yeah, Lord. Yeah, are, are you are you having visions of his coming? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. And, and does it does it bring you to that place where like, oh my God, I'm undone? Like, mm-hmm. like you said, as I have to admit it, I'm unprepared. Yes, sir. What, what in the world was going on that the greatest prophet of that time was yes. unprepared? Yeah. You know? But he was seeking. He was seeking, though. That's the that's the yeah. key. He was seeking. That's the key. Yeah, and 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 how much of a of a frightening thought is that? What you just said, this great prophet, that he would say, you know, I'm undone. You know, I, I, I wow. but what's interesting here is what the rabbis say about Isaiah here is that this is the day that he actually received his call to be a prophet. It was the day that absolutely changed his life, and he became the prophet Isaiah. And the first messages that he began to preach yeah. are found in chapter one of the book of Isaiah. He then begins to address the church. This is the this is the thing because there's there's obviously there would be time between that and the first wrath of God being outpoured in the days of of Jeremiah that we've been studying because he says, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. 
and 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 in, in in sense, what he's saying there, if you look up the word unclean lips, it, it means that that his language was impure. But we know that the Hebrew was the holy language, so he's not talking about that. I believe it's referencing what we've been talking about about God, you know, in the house of God, and all the, right. all the, <laughs> you know, all the. <laughs> the things we've been preaching or teaching or whatever, my God, it's completely inappropriate for the inevitable times that are about to come upon us. And I've seen it. And now that I've seen it, I realize that my lips have been unclean and all the people I've been hanging out with, we ain't been talking the kinds of things we're supposed to be talking about. See, the angels in the unseen realm are declaring holy, 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 and the smoke is filling the temple of God in heaven because wrath is about to come. So even the angels are preaching the right thing. And he says, but we're not. And I thank God I was allowed to see it. There was a triggering event in his time that opened his eyes and revealed to him the time has come. And the awareness of it at a deep level is what we're talking about. At a revelatory level is what tore him up and frightened him. And he and he, he says, "Whoa, is me, right? You know, <laughs> uh, I'm wow. torn up. I realize that uh, what I should be speaking about, and what he goes on to do, actually, because he writes the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, by the way, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. the same amount of books there are in the Bible, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Uh, he 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 got it together, in other words." But it, but what triggered it was, was the defiling of the house of God and the realization when he was caught up into the heavens that the wrath of God was coming, and it was unfolded to him. And so the beautiful thing in verse six, right, is 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 what we we can draw from is that one of the seraphim uh, flew unto me, having a live coal uh, in his hand, and and he took it from off the tongs of the altar there's grace and he laid it upon my mouth in verse 7 can you read that brother jeremy yes and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged so here's the key for all you preachers out there for all you who want to share with your loved ones you know it, when you see the king, when you actually have this vision, and God's giving it to us right now, I'm telling you, he is waking up his people all over the world. And whatever it takes, what's being revealed here, the last and final wrath of God is coming. Again, like we said, it was outpoured in the days of Jeremiah. It was outpoured in the days of, of the apostles in A.D. 70. And there was one final wrath yet to be poured out. But we, we, if we had the time, we would dig in and show the pattern and show the reaction is the same in every generation as it was with Isaiah. He always begins by awakening someone. He did it in Jeremiah's day, right? He woke up Jeremiah and, and said, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? He, he said, say not, I'm a child. You know, and, and what did he do to Jeremiah? He did the same thing he did to Isaiah. He touched his mouth, right? Behold, <laughs> He's going to touch your mouth, mama. Uh, <laughs> when you begin mm. preaching the right thing, right? When you have a vision and, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit comes to us and reveals to us, these are the times. 
the the Lord is now sitting on his throne and he's about to pour out his wrath represented by the smoke on this final generation. The third and final outpouring of his wrath is coming on the whole earth like Isaiah saw. And and, and the awareness is beginning to dawn on many that we're not ready. And 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 the fact that he was he was he was able to confess his sin in verse five. Woe is me! I mean, I'm I'm in trouble, right? And then he confesses, I, I'm 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 undone, and 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 I haven't been saying the right things. You know, I, I've been speaking the wrong thing. And 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 what triggered me understanding this about myself is my eyes have seen the King. I have seen that He's coming, and suddenly I need to confess. I'm not where I need to be. And that's when he does that, then God sends the angel and takes a coal off the altar and puts it on his lips. That, that's that grace. He comes and purifies him. God's getting ready to purify you, brother. God's getting ready to purify you, sister. God's getting ready to purify me. God's getting ready to purify my brothers. We're all getting ready to be purified because we have, we have something that we still have to do. He says, now in verse 7, he says, he laid it on my mouth, and he said, this has touched your lips. And it's what? Purged your what? Read that to us, verse 7. Could you read that, verse 7 to us, Brother Jeremy? And he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, you, some of you have been dealing with, uh, you know, there's a difference between iniquity and sins, man. You know, so some of us have been dealing with things all our life that God has taken away from us, that he's preparing us. He's preparing you. Some of you are struggling with things right now. He's going to touch you. But it's it's wrapped up in your acknowledgement that Jesus is coming. My eyes have seen the King, Isaiah said. I'm undone. Woe is me. I'm this. I'm that. And when we're willing to be that brutally honest. And and to me, it's the level of revelation that, that's a, that, that produces the repentance and the cleansing. And, the, and that is found in the understanding, especially when the generation of his wrath arrives, and there's been two prior to ours, <clears throat> it's then that he comes and, and he takes it from you. He's, a, he's, he's preparing a glorious church. That's what we're witnessing in Isaiah's account here. He represents the whole of a church in, in essence, right? He, he's, he's, he says, I dwell in the midst of an unclean people, but it's the very few that are touched and have their iniquity taken away. There's always only a remnant. Yeah. Because they're, they're, the, people are not willing to go this deep with God. You know, uh, but, but, it's, but listen, so his iniquity is taken away. And once the iniquity is taken away, read the first line there, Jeremy. What, what happens when our iniquities and sins are purged? Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom right. shall I send? And who will go for us? So what happens when, when, if you can see it, 
is that once the iniquity is taken, once the sins are purged, and this is an act of God after a confession and a full understanding tied to a revelation that the king is coming and, and wrath is about to be poured out, suddenly he doesn't necessarily have to see anything anymore. Hmm. Now he can now he can hear. You understand? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And like you were saying earlier, Brother Jeremy, God is speaking. Question yeah. is, are we hearing or or are we going to need to see more evidence? Because if you're only going to rely on what you see with the eyes, you'll be deceived. That's why he goes on and tells him, now you're qualified to preach, but the, <laughs> but what's going to happen to that whole generation, he says, it's going to blind them even further because the signs are never enough, and they're not willing to get rid of their sins and their iniquities, so they're never going to hear what I'm actually saying precisely at the time that they need to hear it. Your iniquity is taken away, and once it is and your sins are purged, he says, now I, I'm not just seeing, now I'm hearing. I'm hearing the voice of the Lord. And and the beautiful thing, we'll close it right here, and, and this is what's happening in our time as well, is what he hears is, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Yes. It means that there's time left. Right? It means that there's a window of opportunity here. And so what this reveals to us is, those of you who have been feeling God working on your life, it's precisely for this purpose. You know and sense that something's different about the world. It ain't like it's always been, and it could very well be that you stumbled across this little bit of teaching today in order to alert you that the king is coming. And when you actually see that with your eyes, it will change you. And God is promising that he will purge us, and he will wash away our iniquities, and, and, and it will open the ears of the spirit in our own life, we'll be able to hear with the ears what, what the voice of the Lord is saying. And what he's saying right now is go out and preach and, and, and speak to this generation. Two things will happen. Uh, uh, there will be a remnant that will respond, and there will be uh, the majority who will reject it, but is precisely what is getting ready to happen. Notice what Jeremiah says, and, and I like one of, uh, one of the things I read uh, that one of the rabbis pointed out here. Which is which is beautiful. He said that when the commission came, he responded in faith. Right, Jeremy. What he said? What at the end there? He said, "Who will go for us?" And then what does he say? In what uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, or uh, oh yeah, Isaiah. in Isaiah, right? Yeah. Who shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, "Here am I. Send me." You know, that's really cool because. What's pointed out there and what's revealed to us there is really special. Like I said, and I, I can't claim this to my own, but I read it in a commentary from one of the rabbis who wrote like 900 years ago. He said, notice the change. He's not, he doesn't ask what he's supposed to say. <laughs> well, what am I supposed to preach? He didn't, he didn't ask for any details. He responds by faith. You know, he's, he's ready to go. He doesn't even know what he's supposed to preach yet, but he knows I need to go. You know, he said, I'm right here. He made himself available to God. And that's what God is asking us. Just simply make yourself available to him right where you are in these times. Yes. 
because we are approaching the final third holy, right? There were three holies. Verse three, holy, 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 tied to the wrath of God. And it in, in our case, it has come to rest on the whole world, the whole earth. That's why verse 11, 12, and 13, we'll, we'll get into those tomorrow. Lord willing, we'll look at this a little deeper and we'll enlarge it. And we're going to see how it's tied to certain events that happened in the, at the end of Jesus' ministry and how it ultimately is tied exactly to the things we'll see tomorrow in the book of Revelation that John revealed. Incredible. The third outpouring of the wrath of God and, and how he proceeds it in every generation. We saw it in Jeremiah's day. They saw it in A.D. 70. And we're beginning to see it now. The question is, can we say like Isaiah, mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He's coming, brothers and sisters. Yes. Let us pray that he that he touches us with with a coal from off his altar, so to speak, by the blood of Jesus, that we would be uh, having our iniquities taken away and our sins purged so that we can hear the voice of the Lord and help uh, to, to, to warn those around us and to bring our loved ones and those that we love around us, uh, you know, with us on this great journey that lies ahead for the true church of Jesus Christ. Um, Isaiah chapter 6, <laughs> I have seen the king. Praise God. We'll dig into it some more tomorrow, uh, Lord willing, and we love you. And, and brothers, anything else you'd like to share before we close? Praise God. been a powerful teaching. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, these teachings, what they serve to do to us is to prepare us in advance, right? To uh, gird our loins. <laughs> to uh, make sure our shoes, the laces on our shoes are tied up good and that you have your staff in your hand ready because he's <laughs> coming again. <laughs> I, I want to encourage you because this is preparation. And Just a few weeks ago, the Lord uh, gave a word to my little daughter. My little daughter it was a very simple word. She had never done this, but she wanted to encourage the people and she said, she said this, just very simple words. They, the words that she that she gave was, there will be a time. To those, I'm talking to those that are preparing themselves. There will be a time where you will not fear. Hallelujah. There will be a time where you will not fear. You know, when you are sure of where you're standing, when you know that you have heard, as Isaiah saw the Lord, then he says, I'm ready to go now. Hallelujah. And declare. And so that's what God is doing to us. He's preparing us. So gird your loins and get ready. Jesus is coming again. And it's been a powerful study, Brother Marty, and uh, along together, all of us just gleaning from the word. And, and and I know that some of the questions, even that we ask, are, are it's questions that you have in your spirit that we believe that God is answering and reassuring you that you are hearing from the Lord. We pray that you join us tomorrow on Thursday and you take a moment to, to really meditate on this word. And we thank you for joining us. May the Lord bless you. and May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.